Vintage Baseball. Akron Cup, second day action. Sunday, 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 July the hell's the 9th. Uh, here at Stan Hewitt Hall and Gardens. We're here for the Columbus Capitals against the Canton Cornshuckers match here on Field 1, bringing in my color analyst for this game. You know him as the captain of the Addison Mountain Stars. You also know him as a floating member of the Canton Cornshuckers amongst any other team because the man just loves baseball. Adam Johnson. Adam, how you doing? Not too bad. How are you? I just want to offer one correction. I'm a full-fledged member, a full-fledged member of the Canton Cornshuckers. That's a lot of baseball. I don't know how you do it. I don't care about my body, mostly. Oh, okay. Uh, and we're going right to action right here as who is going to lead off for the Canton Cornshuckers. Uh, we do have a pitcher here for Columbus today that's going to throw it ambidextrous. Uh, we saw him at the Flat Rock Invitational back in... Yeah, I don't remember when it was. That, May? That, oh. that is a skill that you don't see very often from a pitcher. Does it count as a skill? Uh, I couldn't do it. That bell right there, Adam, represents a pitch that was thrown. Who goes to right field? Right fielder is going to camp and wait for that nice, soft Sunday after a rain bounce. I, I think it's important to note that um, who who is battling through a couple of injuries, but he watched a Steve Iserman video, and he's totally healed now. That's amazing. Did Steve Iserman have a, a history of coming back from injury good? I believe so, playing through injury, yeah. Here's uh, Ryan Glazer, copper, as he's known throughout the ranks of vintage baseball. 1864 rules today. I think it should be noted also that this man can absolutely mash. It should be noted. It is noted. Uh, he's making a transition in his playing career right now, going from legs to arms. Is that not true? There's oh. a hit up the middle. Uh, in the middle of an ambit, ambidextrous pitcher. I don't know what you'd call that. It's a base hit for Copper. Just an absolutely professional approach there by Copper. Very impressive display. Uh, that's bringing up Mr. Green, Jeff Green of Canton. This is an interesting uh, batter lineup that Canton's putting on the field here. A little out of the ordinary. And there's a hit to the third baseman. Third baseman's going to throw over to second for a force. It's going to be a low throw. Frias is going to cower away from the bounce, and it's going to be first and second. I actually think the, the white ball, he mistook his white shoes for the white ball there, perhaps. Speaking of white shoes, <laughs> Ryan Jones' meal ticket comes up to the plate. We got a. Is he gonna? Are we gonna go lefty on lefty? No, he's gonna go righty. Oh, interesting decision. I, I don't know the strategy if it would even matter. There's a mightiest striker blast. He wishes he had that one back from earlier. It's in the trees. It's gonna bounce back toward the infield. Right fielder's gonna get to it. Copper's gonna score. Jeff Green coming to the plate. He's going to score, and Ryan Jones is going to end up at third and stay put. He came out of the box like he wanted all four right there. He ran much faster on that than he did in the gingerly gentleman that happened earlier this morning. We'll have to talk to him about that. Yeah, I'm just going to say I don't think his full heart was in the gingerly gentleman. <laughs> they <office>. should be. <laughs> you know whose full hair was in the gingerly gentleman? Trevor Gagola. Everybody knows that. <laughs> that. That hair was flowing. It was beautiful. 
I cried. He should have won just on that. Oh, it was amazing. I didn't know it existed like that. It's the first time I've seen it. They should give him a shampoo commercial for sure. Oh, jeez. And there's a pop-up to the left fielder. He's going to catch it in the air and oh. misplay. It's going to score a run, and Trevor's going to stay his first. That was Jason Zedak with the, uh, the muffin left field. From my time playing with the Capitals, I can tell you, Jason Zedak never met a cutoff he wanted to hit. This is a true statement. Joe Twilliger up to the plate. Uh, your 2023 now just crowned minutes ago gingerly gentleman champion, back to back champions championships for Mr. Twilliger. He won by a full step, probably a step and a half in that championship. Uh, closest match of the day, as you would expect. Here's a bouncer to the shortstop. Shortstop's flip over to second for the force. No throw to first. Joe Twilliger, not really a double play candidate. Yes, so you put that ball in your pocket like Rudy Frias did at second, and you just call it good for the ounce. That's two ounce. Is it fair to um, to give Joe freak status? I think at this point he's just a freak. It's only two times, Adam. Let's not get carried okay, away. I'm sorry. We don't, we don't uh, use that term lightly. Are we, are we talking about a dynasty here? Uh, what do you got to do for a dynasty in the gingerly gentleman? I would say you got to win at least three, three to start talking about that. So next year uh, we're looking for a home. Listen, if you're listening to this. Roller on the Barrel Show is looking for a home for the Mightiest Striker, Gingerly Gentleman, Barrel Roller Classic. There's a swing into the ground by Feeney down third baseline. It's a fair foul, not on purpose. Uh, Twilliger's going to make his third. Feeney's going to make his second. What is the status of fair foul here at the Akron Cup? Is it um, frowned upon but not illegal? Is it illegal? It is not illegal because Rudy Frias was doing it all day yesterday, uh, so not illegal. He's such a rebel. Is it frowned upon? I, I would say it's frowned upon as much here as it is anywhere else. W what would you say that level is? I, I'm all about it. I, I mean, it, but I was also about beating the shift in Major League Baseball by bunting. You know, you can you can control these things yourself. You're worried about the fair foul. Play the fair foul. There's a Coco's up in the face. Kobe Doughty over to first base. They're going to get him. They're going to get him for the third out. That was a fine play by Tools Doughty to stick with that after getting hit in the face. It's not easy. When you in the face. take a ball to the face, you know, you can get discombobulated really quickly. I know when I take a ball to the face, there's chaos ensues, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. As long as it's just one, you can usually recover. And then you're left wondering why. Three runs in for the Canton Cornshuckers with Columbus coming up here. Uh, Canton's going to put runs on the board. You got to know that as Columbus, you got to take care. You got to take care of those defensive opportunities to high ready. <laughs> and uh, Rudy Frias will be leading off for the Columbus Capitals on the mound today for Canton Muffin Man. His stats are X variable. He is a Muffin Man and. You know he can, or there's a rhyme there. Damn it. Would you say that his delivery is slightly unconventional? I've ruined it. Uh, actually, I would say it points more towards 1864 conventional. Oh, right on the, right on the, on the money for, for the period. That's probably what it looked like. Kudos to you, Muffin Man, the most vintage player on the field today. Very representative. Rudy Frias and his, I don't know, there's a fair foul back into his oh. knee. 
Uh, Trevor is going to call where he's going to throw it. Now, talk about that, Adam. So that ball came off of the bat on a fair foul attempt. It hit the ground, bounced up, hit Rudy's knee, and then went the other way. But with his cat-like speed and reflexes, Trevor Gogola uh, just changed directions in an instant, got there to make the play at first. And when he, just before he threw the ball, he called outside to his first baseman, telling him where he's going to throw the ball. Usually it's done the other way. Um, Usually the first baseman calls where he wants it, but Teddy just took charge of the situation. Uh, Canton does have who playing first, who's not used to being over there a lot, so that might have been why that situation happened. Mike Wyckoff gets a hold of one, but directly to the left fielder, caught in the air like a man with his hands. After licking his fingers. Let's not not forget Mike Feeney's... um, signature move lick the fingers would you say mike feeney's finger looking good i would say that is yeah. he out there he oh uh, look at this uh, that's, a, the, that's some disrespect yeah well i mean i i don't think i've ever seen jason z that go oppo so honey badger don't care no have you ever seen honey badger's tattoo no oh it's a honey badger here we go tattoo writing it down so i can see it later where is it before i say i want to see it near the crotch no i'm still good <laughs> <laughs> He showed it to me at Rudy and Michelle's wedding. Wow. At the wedding. The drinks were flowing. It's nice. It's well done. Solid craftsmanship. And uh, Feeney trying to mess with the mind gets up, is a hit back to Muffin Man. They're going to throw it first. They got him. Close play, though. As long as his foot was on the bag, they got him. And there should be no judgment or that play would keep going on. looks like he's going to be called out. He did look out as long as there was a foot on the back. That's one, two, three. You don't want to do that. You've already lost the game. <laughs> Muffin Man showed no signs of panic on that. He was cool as a cucumber. It's, it is amazing, the, uh, the personality of this entire Canton Corn Truckers Club. There's never any panic. Like, look at that face as he comes up to bat right now. He's just, he's just in it, you know? That man is living in the moment. You know where Muffin Man did his best work last year was at the deranged taunt. Uh, <laughs> he's a, he, he actually talked in the deranged taunt. Oh, yeah? Once, once scaring us. Uh, n- never talked to him in person, though. I've had more of a relationship with him while he's scaring people. Was he terrifying? He was pretty good. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, I think he's terrifying in everyday life, though. <laughs> Hitters hate to face him. I believe we had a potential serial killer talk on a previous play-by-play. I have to get used to this bell. There's a fly ball to left field. Honey Badger don't care. Grabbed it with his bare hands like a man. Like a man. Like a honey badger. That's going to bring up back to the top of the lineup. It is who? There's not really a more terrifying leadoff hitter. I mean, who's not generally your leadoff hitter, but the man can do anything with a bat. Anything. I was shocked to find out today that who is not fast. First pitch swing in high fly ball to center field. Center fielder is going to wait for that bounce, and uh, it does kick a little bit to his left, but he'd still corralled it in for the second out of the inning. So who's not fast? I feel like From what I understand... Because I've had, I've done a couple of gingerly gentlemen's, and I'm always like, why does, why is Canton like, no, on who? And they're like, he's really not that fast. Oh. Copper to the second baseman. It's going to be Olaid by Frias into center field. That wasn't a racist joke, and Copper's going to stay his first. Yeah, he got out of the way of that bowl for sure. <laughs> he got out of the way for that. Yeah, that's a man that has to go home and take care of some kids right there. 
There ain't no way you're screwing up these fingers. I want to spin back to this who. I, I feel like for non-gingerly gentlemen like yourself and myself. <laughs> what are you talking he's about? still fast. Speak for yourself. I won first place in the second grade uh, dash competition at Lindsay Elementary in Bay City, Michigan. Thank you very much. And oh, then I retract my statement. <laughs> Jeff Green. <laughs> uh, I've put on all these pounds to slow down. Uh, Jeff Green hits it into the uh well hit it to the shortstop kobe dowdy came up to throw i don't think he was actually going to throw mishandled the throw but i think he was tucking it away anyway he was he was a little bit ahead of himself there i think he didn't get the handles on it and we got ryan jones up here meal ticket uh this is a a really good view we have this is a great place to play baseball Absolutely. One of the nicest plays. Another far hit ball into right center field. It does not reach the trees, and it's going to be corralled by the center fielder, Gentleman Joe, on a, on a bounce, bringing Canton's inning to an end with no runs across. Yeah, Ticket's really putting the uh, the right fielders to work here, but Joe Jempson shading him to the right side, you know, making the play, bringing that veteran presence to the Columbus outfield. Now you got to be careful because Ryan has a lot of power to left center field. That is true. He does. If he chooses to and they shade him too much, Ryan's going to get another chance for a triple in one of these at-bats coming up. And now we'll see if Columbus can get something started as they uh, get a zero, which is hard to do on Canton. You know, triples definitely exist here. Home runs definitely exist here on field one at Akron, but they are down the right field line. That's the spot. That's, that's the dinger. That's where the dingers are hiding here. Rudy knows. Well, the chicks dig a ball that accumulates a large amount of distance. That's a fact. Ian Frias to lead off, and he's got that leadoff hitter body. And there's a ball hit in the center field. Copper's going to corral it with his bare hands like a man. Did, did he have him played to the right side? He did. That's weird. Although our angle might not be of the best. That's true. We, we, we might be optical illusion. I think it might have been. Because he looks like, if you look at the whole field right now as Brad Grayley comes up, he looks pretty straight away. But to our illusion, it looks a little. Brad Grayley up in the air down the right field line. Oh, he uh, found the spot. That's the spot. It's not the spot. Foul the ball. ball. That wasn't the spot. <laughs> I don't know what I was talking about. I think it's pretty obvious that people on this field know where the dingers are. Those are two men who do not push the ball pushing the ball. Push it. Push it real good. Uh, 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 uh. All right. Oh, I forgot the bell. Here's a bitch. Pop up on the tent. Oh, Teddy's, Teddy's in hot pursuit. You son of a gun. <laughs> Teddy's not going to get to it. It hit the trailer of Akron and... Our power's still on, so that's good. You always got to be afraid of that. But you know what takes care of the power worse is a group of little bastard kids playing around by the electrical outlets like it's fun. Brad Grayley hits it to center field. Copper collects with his hands again. Copper has this uh, this way of catching a vintage baseball in the air. It's not what you think. It's not simply just putting your hands up. Uh, and catching it, he does explain that. Adam. Yeah, no, you're right. He Copper uses the over-under technique to catch the fly ball. It's actually really similar to what you'll see Ian Frias do at first base. It's not super conventional, 
but both of them have um, utilized the over-under catch technique. Kobe Dotty line drive into left field. Mike Feeney is going to come in. It was a line drive, but in 1864 rules, one hop, you're out. So he got there and slid forward to get the sec- before the second hop, recorded the out, and damn it, 1864 got Kobe Dotty right there. Fly game, that's a hit every time. Adam, you prefer 67 over 64? Absolutely. As a hitter, hits should be hits. But you do have to realize that in 1864, they didn't realize hits had to be hits. Yeah. They were they were learning that you have the benefit of history, and they did not. They were building. Yeah, it didn't take them long to be like, hey, you know, four years into this, and, you know, it's too easy to catch a bound out. Let's get rid of this stupid rule. And uh, Teddy is up here. Is there any literature to declaring that they were stupid rules and they're sorry for doing it. <laughs> if there's not, someone should write that. Grounder to short. Kobe Dottie up with it. Long throw. Teddy's tired. Uh, and uh, there's going to be an out held well at first by Ian Frias. Look for my book, 2024, Adam Johnson's bound rule is stupid. I'm still looking for the Adam Dron- Johnson uh, diss track on Mike Feeney. That's been talked about for years. Boy, I, I, I would like to explain that at some point. Went out, here comes Joe Twilliger. <laughs> Explain it or, or drop it. What? So it's written. Um, it's fully written. It's ready to go. Um, but the problem is now, like, now Marbles and I are teammates, and, like, I don't want to bury him. I mean, if I, if I drop that track on him, it could ruin his confidence for years. Joe Twilliger showing a little pop in the bat, hits it out to left field, but uh, Honey Badger is going to take it on a bounce. And that's going to record the second out of the inning. Plus, Marvel's made it to the finals in the Mightiest Striker contest. Um, so, you know, he's closed a lot of the disc holes that I had on him. Oh, you know, no. He used to be just fast, you know, but now he's got some pop in his bat. He's been doing a couple of push-ups here and there. Well, he's always had power. The thing is about Mike Feeney is he doesn't go out there trying to hit the ball far in everyday gameplay. No, you're right. I mean, he, he's, so, he's had power, but, like, he doesn't have dirt bag power, you know. That, I mean, I don't want. He doesn't have dirt day. I believe he just made it to the finals, Adam. He did, but the longest ball hit today was by a gentleman named Dirtbag. Um, it's great. Just an unreal. Enjoy your trophy. An unreal pair on that guy, that Dirtbag. <laughs> and there's a inside out swing to center field. Uh, center fielder's not going to get there in time to get the bounce. It's going to get past him a little bit. Feeney's going to hold up at second for a double. That was a really nice um, display there. That ball was inside. He got a late adjustment to it, but he just pulled his hands in and drove it. Professional hitting stuff right it, there by it Mike. It does Kennedy. look like the Capitals center fielder is shading a little bit towards right, and I think that cost him on that one. Yep. Great adjustment, you know, to recognize that. That's why I won't diss track marbles anymore. Well, we'll see what happens in a couple of years. Yeah. Coco. I would have loved for Coco to get his uh, ass out of bed to be in the gingerly gentleman today, but it didn't happen. We'll never know what could have been. He has a big tear in his pants, though. Um, I think he was just afraid of, you know, running with that. There's a couple of things that could have happened here. It acts like a parachute a little bit, you know, slows him down. Plus, uh, bound into the ground. Thank you. Good timing. Uh, Wycuff throw over to third. If it's on. It was a great stretch by Ian. It was a good throw. Did not get him. 
Feeney's trying to cause chaos on the bases by pretending to run home. He wasn't pretending, but he was waiting for a bad throw. It didn't happen. He got back to third. Coco makes his way to second. I guess they're saying Ian pulled his foot. I don't think the throw got there in time. Okay. I think Coco had it by a half a step anyway. But it was a good throw by Mr. Wycuff. That's a long throw. And it was in the air, and it was Coco running. I don't know if he could have done anything more on that. You know, to circle back to Coco not running in the gingerly, <laughs> when he lost to Ace in uh, Frankenmuth last year, he lost by a very small margin, and he fell out of the gate. So That wasn't that. He did not. That wasn't that one? No. He fell and won that match That's he fell right. in. That was impressive. I, did he run against Joe? I don't yeah, know. I think he did. I think just think Joe knocked him out. Oh, hell, I'm old. I don't know. Here's the Muffin Man. Ball into left field. Honey Badger waiting for the bounce. It's a foul ball. Honey Badger's going to get the bounce anyway for the last out of the inning. Canton again comes up with a zero. As we change innings here, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Mightiest Striker format. Um, I believe that's one of the strongest formats that can be put together. I really like the strategy involved in getting 10 pitches, but you only get six swings. It has you constantly thinking, like, how do I handle this? How do I take this approach? Do I swing conservatively on my early pitches? You know, do I take this pitch? There's there's a lot of, like, mind games in that in that approach. And actually, um, when I was talking to Mark, the, the guy who won it, he said, I think the MLB should adopt something like this. I don't want to see a guy hit 30 home runs, you know, 400 feet. I want to see who can hit it the farthest. I want to see somebody try to hit 500 feet. And I agree with that. I think that would be way more entertaining. Well, thanks. We started with this this format understanding that I'm based in Michigan. And if you do not put a regulation and restriction on how many pitches you wait and see, we'll be there all day. That's true. We don't have time for that to happen everywhere. I mean, you're waiting for your wheelhouse as uh, Mike Purcell comes up to the plate for the Capitals. How much do you think the, uh, the pitcher plays into the – the mightiest striker champion. I think, you see, when you go up as a mightiest striker, you're you're grabbing somebody from your team. I think it's a total mistake. Grounder to shortstop. Meal ticket, throw over to first. He's got some time. Held over there by who for the first out of the inning. Do you know, most vintage, most vintage teams do not practice. Would you say that's accurate? If they do, it's a real lazy practice. I would say that, yeah. So you're actually, when you pull a pitcher from your club, you're pulling a pitcher you don't ever face. No, you're right about that. You you need to pull a pitcher you face all the time. Well, the problem that I run into there is the pitcher that I want to hit against is Hatchet from the early risers. I, I've never met a first pitch that I didn't want to swing against Hatchet. I mean, that man puts her, that's a meatball right there. Gentleman Joe to center field, copper... Very busy out there in center field. High, two hands high above his head for the second out. He's looking smooth out there. He is. Uh, here's Jacob, the runner-up and the gingerly gentleman. I think Jacob caught some people by surprise out here. Young legs never catch me by surprise. I think they gave him the oldest capital uniform they had. Look at that. I think you have to. Uh, yeah, Ducky for the Saginaw Old Golds is the same way, by the way. First pitch will be the best pitch of the at-bat. If you let it go by, it's going to be right down the middle, right where you want it. You're not getting that one again? Don't miss that one. <laughs> you got to swing at it. 
Uh, most people, you know, in vintage baseball, 1867 rules in Michigan, Ohio, they're they're waiting two or three pitches anyway. So uh, you just saw the best pitch go by. Yep. And then you're swinging at stuff that is nowhere near that. You got to be ready to hit, boys. There's a bell. Uh, it's deep to shortstop. Meal ticket over to first. It's a good throw. I think they got him off the bag. So Jacob made made first, uh, but then fell off the bag. And who applied the tag like the chess player that he is? One, two, three for the Columbus Capitals, putting another zero up on the board. Uh, in fact, uh, we haven't had a capital reach base yet. Well, that Ooh. counts as reaching base right there. That's an interesting topic for discussion because – this version of baseball is different as you can't overrun first base. If the runner makes it to first base but can't stop and gets tagged on the way back, does it count as a single? That is a single. Okay. That's, I would also rule that a single. So Jacob with the single and then the base running error. There goes the no-hitter. Coming up in the Capitals, the top of the lineup, who? Rob Stoles. Just an absolute predator on the base pass. Even though we've discussed that he may not be the fastest just we we don't predator. describe people as a predator, Adam. He absolutely is. He will pounce and attack on any empty base. Just watch the way he runs. Predator might have been good back in 1864 or 67. He was more like... 2023, we don't use predator. He's more like alien versus predator, predator. <laughs> oh, that kind yeah. of predator. I'm yeah. all on board with that. <laughs> you want to talk predator? We can talk predator all day long. All right. Here's another one. Three pitches so far. There's a grounder to third base. Wyckoff up quick with the ball, and the throw over is going to get him. That's a fine play by Mr. Wyckoff over at third base. That is. The transition he made between catching the, the bounce and throwing, it you have to be immediate on that. But once again... Who out by five steps. Overrated speed. Uh, Copper down the right field line is going to be a foul ball. On that topic, I, I, this is just a topic of interest for me, right? I, I really feel like base running is very mental. It's a very mental game. And I feel like even though even if you're not fast, you can be a fantastic base runner if you play the game correctly mentally. Now, you'll never beat a guy who plays it correctly mentally and is fast, but I feel like you can make up for a lack of speed on the base pass by being smart. Copper into the ground to Mr. Wyckoff. Oh, almost had a, he's going to have a hard time with this long throw and yeah, that's what happens. A slight bobble, hit the ground, went back up, went immediately to the throw, but it was going to be too late. And I thought he had it. Again. It was in the palm. It was. Uh, I can I can tell you that being of the body type uh, that I am, you won the race in second grade. It, yeah, it's gone downhill since then. Uh, I definitely, I took, when I was on Bay City, I took a ton of extra bases. Jeff Green to left field. Honey Badger catches with his hands like a man would. Copper's getting back to first base as they attempt to throw behind him, but that's not going to turn out. That's the second, second out of the inning. I was always taking extra bases, but I never got any credit for it because I looked the way I look and no one was paying any attention. I took a ton of extra bases because I had to. That's a skill. That's an because skill. I didn't want to have to run. Like, look, I don't want to run first to third, but I'm more than happy to run second to first to second and then second to third. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I tried to do, and I stole a lot of bases and – Took advantage of extra bases any chance I got. Self-preservation, actually. 
Ryan Jones up for Canton. He's been putting good barrel on the ball today. There's a grounder between the first and second baseman, but Rudy Freeze is going to get over there, and he's just going to eat it. And I'll tell you, he ate it because he knew if he threw it to first, Copper was going to run to third, and they probably weren't going to get meal ticket at first. So, A very smart play by Rudy Frias to put that one in his pocket. That's veteran experience right there. The play you don't make sometimes is the smartest play. 100%. Did, to go back two plays, uh, Jason Zedak trying to throw um, Copper out at first on his big move to second on the fly ball. He wants us to know that he has an arm. Oh, is that why he's doing it? Yeah. This is my chance. He has one. He does. Teddy up the middle. Base hit. Oh, well, into center. That's going to score a run. Uh, meal ticket's going to take the turn, go over to third. Teddy's going to stay at first. Another great uh, piece of hitting, that approach. That ball was inside on him. He made the adjustment, pulled his hands in, and just just, just handled it right, right through the second base area. Uh, for the RBI, great approach by Teddy. That's the king of vintage baseball. You wouldn't not. expect anything more than the king of hearts of 2022. It's unfortunate we couldn't do a 2023, but, you know, I got to work with what I got. Uh, I've never seen that before, and I should never see it again. Joe Twilliger attempted a fair foul, and he should just swing away. <laughs> is, is he the only person that could potentially get a triple out of a fair foul? Like yeah. clean triple? A clean triple. That'd be interesting. In certain fields, not this field. There's a foul ball down the left field line. Here's my bell. Uh, yeah, not on this field too much. There's no obstruction. There's no nothing over there. He's not going to get a triple. But there are fields he could get a triple on a fair foul. For sure. You can tell that um, that Joe's spent a lot of time in the cage here uh, recently. He's, his hitting is, is really coming around. He's putting he's putting barrel on ball. Look at the forearms. There's some definition there. There's a uh, pop up in the center field. It's going to fall short. They're not going to get there for the bound. It's going to be a single. It's another great piece of situational hitting right there. He didn't try to do too much with it. I want to point out Teddy making the big round at second base. You know, be, oh sorry. Would you, nope. call it, would you call it predatory? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would say that. The smarts on Canton. There was nobody at second base. He could have turned around the base as long as much as he wanted. There was going to be no throwback, so he did it. Damn it! That's what Canton does, man. He's playing the. It's just every little thing. They're taking. They take everything you give them. Everything. His lead right now. Oh, this is definitely two stolen bases. Oh. Uh, there's a misplay at catcher. They're gonna almost get Teddy in the face. That has happened, actually. Are you, are you familiar with Teddy getting domed in Kentucky? No. Yeah, factory ball, throw from third, Teddy running to first, ball hit him right square in the face. In the face. I've seen uh, Diesel get hit in the face in Saginaw. Feeney up with a long fly ball in the left center field. Honey Badger waits for the bounce, collects it for the final out of the inning. Canton's going to put a cross two, making the score 5-0. to zero. Columbus has got to get it going. Uh, Diesel took a ball to the face, knocked him out. He woke up, uh, I want to say, 20 seconds later, and he had the threads of the ball imprinted on his forehead. Was Were the threads bleeding? No. They, they, no, they're still No. <laughs> it was crazy. Everyone's like, dude, when he went down, everyone's like, dude, shake it off. Shake it off. We all get over there. We just didn't think it was that big of a deal. And we look at his face, and there's thread marks. And we're like, you know what? 
That was real. Might, might have been a big deal. <laughs> Turns out. Turns out, balls <laughs> to the head hit, hurt. No, even though this game's kind of been all Canton so far, would you say that the Capitals have done a good job bending but not breaking? They're still in striking distance. Uh, their defense, that's what, if you would say, hey, you played you played four innings, the first four innings against Canton, you gave up five runs, would you take it? Yep. Yep, we'll take that. Yeah, this is this is that um, Rudy Frias inspired cover two zone defense. You know, bend but don't break, don't give anything over the top. What a master of his craft, Rudy Frias is. Now, if you could just come up with an offensive strategy, he's the defensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fair foul attempt. Uh, poor, poor attempt. I'd I'd like to know what his percentage is of successful fair fouls, but this weekend I can tell you it's like seven percent. Many, many a failed fair foul that I've seen. Can we talk about Rudy's approach with the fair foul? I feel like as a person who's defended that as a third baseman, I've played just in foul territory, daring him to hit the fair foul, and he's too empathetic. There's a line drive down the left field line. It's going to get caught on a bounce. I don't know if it was fair or foul, but he's out. He's, he's too empathetic to drill you down. Like if you're playing at 60 feet, he won't hit it down your throat so he'll just change that approach i disagree you think he would i think rudy frias's best fair foul attempts come at a family of four with a stroller down the third baseline <laughs> he aims for him i've seen it ohio cup all the time don't don't sit over there he doesn't care about you he mr wycuff down the left field line that's going to be foul there's a, a pitch thrown i gotta get used to that it's a good thing i'm not a professional journalist you're right there as far as I'm concerned. The am- the amateurness of my journalism and my podcast allow me to get away with just being a common person. Uh, sorry if I come up short for your expectations. I match mine. <laughs> and he won that race in second grade. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Mike Wyckoff, high to center field. Uh, it's going to fall in between, but Feeney's going to get the bounce. 1864. should be noted that... Um, there were no finger licks on the bounce. The finger licks apparently are reserved only for the fly balls. Why are you watching the finger licks? It's, uh, I mean, it's hard not to. And watch every fly ball hit to this man. He's licking the fingers. It's like, remember when Barry Bonds used to tap his glove on his thigh before he caught the fly ball? Oh, yeah. It's like that. It's, like, it's exactly like that. Wow. Do you think Barry Bonds tapped his syringe on his leg before he injected himself? Absolutely. Uh, that man's neck looked like a pack of hot dogs. <laughs> Uh, Honey Badger don't care. He's up. There's a high fly ball to the pitcher. Muffin Man points it out and then decides, I'm going to try to catch it. And he does with two hands like a man. He took took an unconventional route to that ball, a little back and forth, but he gathered himself and made the play very nicely done. Uh, You're not going to get it done not getting anybody in base. Here we go. I I don't think I like their strategy so far. But we'll see. And the funny thing is, is they've played the worst offense you can play, and they're still in the game. That's a fact. <laughs> I, you know what? Even though Field 1 at Akron Cup at, at Stan Hewitt Hall and Gardens is the nicest of the three fields, I feel like it's the least forgiving field for hitters. There's a lot about this field. If you're not going down the right field line with that like slight uh, upward grade in left field, it produces some of the can of cornest bounces I've ever seen. Can of cornest, 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 corniest, can of corniest, maybe corniest. Yeah, I think that's it. We'd have to ask Canton; they would know, right? That's right. We got there. They're the corniest shuckers. Yeah, they want to shuck you like an animal. 
Uh, Coco, pop up to the third baseman, Mr. Wycuff over. Oh, what a, what a play. play. Mr. Wycuff dives forward to catch it in the air like a man with his hands, and he's been doing it all day over there at third base. Uh, this is the best defense I've seen Mr. Wycuff ever play. I, I don't know if that's an insult, but he has been on it today uh, as Muffin Man makes up. I've seen Mike Wyckoff have days, man. He there's days when he's got that glove. He played one time for Addison. There's uh, no gloves. 1864. He's got that palm. <laughs> Pound <laughs> into the ground. Uh, Kobe Dowdy up with it. Throw over to first is going to be in time. Kobe. Muffin Man drops his hat to make it look like he's running faster than he really is. Second out. Kobe Dowdy is an underrated shortstop. I want to go on record with that. I'm going to say that, and I will stand by it. Agreed. I will, I will fight anyone who thinks. No one's going to fight you on that. The only people are going to fight you on that is to say that he's not underrated. Oh, they think he's aptly rated? Aptly rated. I would fight over that. In Ohio, I believe he's aptly rated. In other states, he's probably underrated. Yeah, I would agree with that. Who's up back to the top of the lineup? Who? Straight up the middle base hit. Fine piece of hitting right there. He's going to stay his first. He might pretend like he's going to do two. He's not. He's, he's looking for predation. That's called predation right there. He's testing the water like when a shark smells blood. He's like... You don't have to do that against teams you play all the time, though, because they're not going to make the stupid throw. Columbus is not, has seen that a million times. They're not going to throw it somewhere. Shark's going to hunt, though. Uh-huh. I'll tell you this about sharks. Leave them alone. <laughs> shark week's coming up here shortly. There's been like four shark deaths this year uh, from shark attacks. But there's been a million shark deaths due to humans. Yeah. So it's not fair. Yeah. We're the real jerks. <laughs> we are. Stay out of their yard. That's right. Don't see sharks coming to the baseball field. Copper, grounder to second. We're going to get a force at second. I believe he got it in time, but it was close. But he did get it. And there's some more fine defense. Who making the own at second base? means Copper, even though he hit that ball to second base and caused that force play, is going to lead off the next inning. That's how we do it. 1864 rules. Another zero for Canton. Still at five, waiting for Columbus to show up offensively in this match. They still got time. Is it fair to liken Columbus to a bad rash right now? They're sticking to this game. They just won't go away. You know, I've never had a bad rash. Maybe now, I'm not saying I haven't had bad things, but Never a bad rash. A bad month. bad rashes come back? They just don't go away. They don't? Damn. If you live long enough, you'll get one of those rashes. For sure. So it's coming. Yeah. Whatever. You put some cream on that. Ian Frias with the leadoff body again. It's bad strategy by Columbus. Maybe they should bat him third. Yeah, when you're, when you're biggest boss. Third or fifth. Third or fifth? Not fourth? Not fourth. Keep him out of that leadoff spot. You got to keep him out of that spot. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with fourth. If if one, two, three go down. Third or fifth. Miguel Cabrera, never a fourth hitter. Never. You know, the, the new research that they're talking about in Major League Baseball is the number two hitter is the most important hitter in the lineup. Have you seen that? I have not seen it, but I would – I could see that. I always thought it was the number three dude was the baddest dude. I, and I, I could see that too. Ian Frias down the left field line. It's going to get knocked down by Feeney. The throw is going to come in. That's going to be a base hit for the Columbus Capitals. Leadoff hitter Ian Frias doing what he needs to do. That means he's going to steal a base. You can't steal in 1864 baseball, but you can go on him off. So 
Trevor, although very experienced back there, I don't expect many muffs. Brad Grayley up for the Columbus Capitals. There's a high fly ball in the left center field. It's going to get down. Ian Frias is going to make the turn. He's going to go to third. No throw. Brad Grayley is going to stay as first. We got first and third. Great piece of running by leadoff hitter Ian Frias there, going first to third on that single. Leadoff body. The, the, the Capitals have life here. Yeah, that's all you need is just little things like that to happen when you have played that kind of defense and have only given up five runs. Well, baseball is a momentum sport. I mean, you can you can feel it. It's palpable right now. And a very winnable game for Columbus right now. So these all become important at-bats. Uh, Kobe Doughty up to the plate. Also, underrated hitter. Is there anybody that looks better with their sleeves rolled up that high? I was just going to say... Kobe Doughty hits it to right field. It could be a foul ball. Uh, looks like Twilliger is over to catch it in the air. What a play by Ace. Uh, we do have Brad Grayley tagging at first to take second because the throw came into home. Smart base running? Probably mistake on defense. Ace Twilliger uh, playing that ball and getting it in fast. Huge, huge for the Corn Shockers. Got it in fast but threw it to the wrong base. Throw it to first, missed a cutoff. Maybe is that what you said? Uh, yeah, he, he should have hit the cutoff. We probably missed a cutoff on I that. I think he's worried more about Ian tagging and scoring. So really, I get that. Yeah, uh, maybe it was exper inexperience at first base causing that. I don't. I'm not sure. Here comes the the pitcher for the Columbus Capitals, Mike. Ian, still I couldn't see when it when the ball goes down the right field here with our setup. We don't exactly see what. Happened. I saw the ball hit the hands in the air, so that's what I called. I didn't see what happened after that. It is tough. They say at the major league level, if you have runner on third with no outs, you have an 88% chance to score a run that inning. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting. To how see do you that. remember all these statistics? You have nothing in front of you. You have no notes. Uh, I forget important stuff. You know, professional color analysts of Major League Baseball have a notebook full of notes in front of them and you just come up with stats that you've ran across at some point and you just kept it and you don't even know why you kept it and now you're giving it to us. It's it's a true gift. It's magic. That's why they call me Ziggy Big Arthur Wigelow. They don't call you that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair ball, fair foul down third baseline. There's going to be a throw by Green. We got a slow throw and a slow runner. What an abat by the Columbus pitcher. <laughs> Coming through in the clutch with the RBI. Ian Frias is going to score. Brad Grayley is going to take his third. We, 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 we laughed at leadoff hitter Ian Frias, but he made the plays necessary there. Uh, and he got there just before the throw. So we got one out, first and third, one run in for Columbus in a 5-1 to one ball game. Joe Jemson at the plate. That man can get into a ball, too. He'll Ab surprise you. Oh, no. Absolutely. Uh, I've seen it. A uh, fun fact about Joe Jemson, um, his real name is supposed to be Johnson. Um, Joe Johnson? Yeah. Um, when That would have been weird if it was Johnson Jensen. Pop up to center field. Copper's going to catch. There's going to be nobody on the bases going to go further with that. When his ancestors came over on the boat, uh, they said Johnson, but the accent was so thick that they just wrote down Jemson, so now their name's Jemson. Is this a true story? That's a true story. Jensen or Jemson? Jemson. Joe Jemson. Supposed to be Johnson. Well, I mean, 
Yeah. Your gingerly gentleman runner-up at the plate now. Big situation. Probably the biggest of his vintage baseball career, would you say? Does he know it? I'm looking at him. He looks kind of loose. Oh, he he didn't even think Left about Left field it. base hit. That's going to get by Feeney. It's going to bounce off his hand. It's going to move Mike up to second. And Jacob's going to take his first, scoring Brad Grayley. This is a big inning for Columbus. You've got to ask yourself, is Canton feeling the pressure right now? Something happened with my camera. Rudy's not going to be very happy about this. Speaking, oh, no. Speaking of Rudy, he's at the plate. He's got the, the patented Rudy Frias fair foul stance. He shouldn't. He should go to uh, right center field. This is absolutely not the most optimal time for a fair foul stance. Maybe he's just feigning. Could he be feigning the fair foul? Depends on who the runners are on the bases. You're not going to – if you get a single in left field, uh, your runner at second's not going to score. You do a fair foul, you're guaranteeing your runner at second who's slow to get to third safely. Uh, he goes for the fair foul. He misses badly. And uh, so that does that. Do you think that occurs? Because I don't know. But do you think runner on the. Oh, he hits it straight up the middle. That's going to load the bases for the Columbus Capitals. Great piece of hitting. You have, almost have to ask yourself did he miss that fair foul so incredibly badly on purpose to make them think, to pull them out of position? I'm sure he does it. I don't know if he did it on that one, but I'm sure he's done it. Masterful strategy right there. By Rudy Swamp Fox Frias. And here comes Mr. Wyckoff having a game. His, uh, he has recorded some outs, but I'll tell you, his swing has looked good this weekend. His defense is on point. I think he's due for a, a big hit. You know, some, some of that credit has to go to Kirsten Wyckoff. No, nope, none of it. She really lights a fire <laughs> under this man. <laughs> base hit to center field. That's going to score two. This game is Frias is going to stop at second base. As Jacob almost runs down the runner in front of him, a runner up in the gingerly gentleman. Holy cow! Uh, and it looks like there's a there was a, a few a few words exchanged between uh, who and Muffin Man. I think he was just trying to settle him down, you know, let him know, hey, we still got this, we still got the cushion, the one run cushion. But man, this game's getting exciting. <laughs> Two outs, runner on first and second, four runs in for the Capitals here in the bottom of the fifth inning. We're going seven innings. We're at the 46-minute mark. We're going seven innings. And uh, five to four, just like we said, five runs, not enough. You get some stuff going, you're in the game, and they were. Right now, uh, we're at a pause and play as Wayne Wesley runs across the field um, for a ball that came in from the other field. Uh, Flat Rock, keep that ball on your own side. Rudy, this is the point in the match where I lost the camera feed on my camera. I'm going to try to bring it back up. Uh, don't hate me, baby. Jason Zedak at the plate here. They call him the Honey Badger. Left-handed, very selective with his pitches. And he goes down to get one low, and it is foul. foul. Teddy goes out to check on Muffin Man. He's still okay. Oh, still recording. Look at that. I didn't make a mistake after all. Honey Badger, first and second. Four runs in for the Capitals in the bottom of the fifth. It's a ball game. It's a ball game. You know, most pitchers you would think are getting nervous at this point, but Muffin Man, unaffected. 
Although I will tell you this, I will tell you he actually to me he looks tight. You think so? I think the delivery point has changed. It's a lot stiffer. Oh, and he's letting go of it sooner. That's a keen uh, eye. It does look a little stiff. Oh yeah, that was that was swift a little bit, a little more swift than I'm used to seeing. Uh, Muffin Man plays this game for the enjoyment of playing the game and with his friends. So I don't, I don't think a lot of things get to him. And Canton, not in this situation a lot. Sometimes when they play uh, tournaments like this, they find themselves in a situation. But I mean, it's been a ton of pitches, and this is all on Muffin Man right now. None of these are close. Is it fair to say um, that Canton? There's a grounder to the first baseman. It's going to get over his head, but Coco's going to get up, and he's going to have to throw to second. That's going to tie this game. Yes, it is. Coco had to throw to second. There was nobody covering second. They weren't going to get him. Rudy Frias comes around to score. Coco came in from right field thinking he was going to throw to first. Inexperience of who at first base? No one at first to collect that throw. He doesn't throw it. He turns to throw to second. And uh, there we go. We have a brand-new ball game here. And this this Canton team has everything to lose, and and Columbus appears to just be, just be playing spoiler at this point. You know, Canton's won this event so many times. Uh, all the pressure's on them right now. Uh, so Ian Frias coming to the plate represents the fact that the Columbus Capitals have batted around. That's right, a leadoff hitter, and he's back at it. And there's a high fly ball to right field. Copper's going to come in, wait for it on the bounce. Okay. Uh, as to Okay, so Adam, he he would have caught that in general play. He catches that with two hands. But because of the situation, he waited for that bounce. Not a man. That was absolutely, <laughs> he was doing, Ryan Glazer's doing the mental math there. He said to himself, he's like, hey, this is one of those situations where, you know, we have some bleeding going on this inning. I have to, I have to stop the bleeding right now. And he said, it's not worth taking a chance on. We just need the out. That's a smart play by Copper. It is a smart play. Not a man. Uh, five innings in, five to five is the score. We have a ball game just as good as the first game we had here on field one yesterday, which was Akron-Columbus, which finished in a walk-off eight to seven. Uh, this this also, I'm being spoiled this weekend because uh, generally, the, generally the games I've called for this podcast have been blowouts. Uh, Pop-up. Pop up by Copper to shortstop. Kobe's going to wait for the bounce and record the out. Would you, um, would you also say, not a manly play? Also, not a manly play. But I'll tell you what: you, five to five in the sixth inning, everybody's going to wait for a bounce now. There's going to be no more. Yep. Thank you. There's going to be no more catching it in the air if possible, unless it's hit directly to you and you you have to. Everyone's going to be waiting for a bounce now. Is that would you say that's correct? I don't think everyone is. Going, I think I think I think a fly ball hit to Mike Feeney questionable. He's still going for that fly. He's different though. He's built different. He's one of the few people that actually built different applies to. Jeff Green up. Foul ball. It's the, Still look like they're attempting to test Mike Wyckoff over there at third. That seems to be possibly a strategy for this this club. This and that has not turned out well for them as they find themselves in a tie. Uh, defense has been strong today with Rudy Frias at second, something you don't normally see. Uh, where would you hit it? 
right now if you're Jeff Green. Who, by the way, can hit it anywhere. Hits it directly up the middle. Kobe Dottie's going to come over, mishandled. No throw. He does throw. Uh, but knocked down by Ian Frias at first base. Jeff Green doing the little things. That's why they call him sure thing. When you need him in a spot, he shows up. And that's going to bring up Ryan Jones. So big spot here for Columbus. They have one out recorded. They got Copper to lead off the inning. You got Jeff Green on base. And now you got the power of the meal ticket. That's, this man's a total dog. I mean, he's fueled by Coors Original. Hi, and he beat the right fielder on that. No way. No way he didn't. And it's a mishandle or misplay or something because Jeff Green stopped halfway to second, and then he ran. So we got a single by Ryan Jones, and Jeff Green's going to take his third. It might have been a mishandle out there. That right field biting us. Yeah. Well, what can you do? We'll make up the narrative. Teddy comes up in a big spot. First and third, momentum on Columbus Capital side. They got the first out of the inning, and it was Copper. That's a big deal to keep Copper off the bases. Uh, that long line drive hit right there, keeping Ryan to a single is even still a big hit, sort of big defensive play, because that could have been worse. And Teddy's up here, top of the sixth. We're going seven. This is what heroes are made of right here. This is the situation every ball player wants to be in. You got RBIs sitting out there. You're the king of hearts. Teddy high to right field. That's going to be weighted. Uh, it's going to be caught in the air. He did not tag up. They're going to get – Ryan's going to slide back. They're going to throw home. They got him. I, I think he missed the tag. Did he miss the tag? I thought he missed the plate. He must feel like he – okay, so let's dissect this play. Teddy flies out to right field. That's the second out. Uh, Ryan Jones does not tag off of second, starts running to second. They're going to try to make the play at first to get him. He gets back in time. There's a throw home because Jeff Green has tagged and is now coming home to take advantage of the situation. He scores on a very close play at home, and Ryan Jones is going to make his way to second. And now Joe Twilliger up to the plate. You're all up to date. You're welcome. I actually think um, sure thing. Tagged, doubled back, thought no. He thought better of it, but then when the, the ball went to first, then he went again. You're going to see a lot more pitches taken at the end of this game, so I'm going to try to be conscious of this bell to let you know pitches are being thrown and being taken. There's a hip down the left field line. It's going to be foul. It's a good swing by Joe. I feel privileged to be calling this game with you. This has been a, a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> this... Uh, this is what we had in mind when we decided to travel around and do play-by-play. -play. These matches that live in people's memories, and it's amazing that vintage baseball player Joe Twilliger gets to center field. There's uh, no one around to get that bounce. They it's had going to shift. So Ryan Jones is going to score easily. Joe Twilliger gets to second. There's a throw behind him to try to tag him. That was close. What an ab absolutely professional approach by Joe Twilliger. He assessed the field, saw they were shading him to the right side, which he does tend to go backside, and he just beat the shift. So Ryan Jones scores his third run of the game as Columbus takes a 7-5 to lead, bringing Mike Feeney up to the plate with a runner on second. As we got stuff happening A little bit of a breeze happened. Mike Feeney oh. tries a fair foul. That I don't think he was attempting it. 
That's an East Coast fair foul maneuver there. That was a pretend attempt to try to move everybody. Nope. He's going for it. He, he did not. There's a misplay by the catcher. Joe Twilliger is going to. Okay, Joe Twilliger rounds third. Almost decided to come home and try to score on a misplay by the catcher. He's at third base. This East Coast um, uh, fair foul switching sides of the plate while the pitch is in the air. Um, He's not he's not executing it the way I've seen it done on the East Coast. He's trying to bat it almost like like swinging still the same way he would swing if he was on the other side of the plate. But at the East Coast, they actually chop straight down on that like they're swinging an axe when they change sides of the plate. So Feeney was trying to, in his head, was trying to get his run over to third somehow, some way, trying to do something. He's out of that. He's not doing that anymore. Now he's full-fledged swinging. And there's a pop-up to the catcher. It's going to be too far back for the catcher to do anything with that. Uh, so he's in full swing mode now. So I don't know what his strategy was. Was the strategy to bother the catcher? If it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. That's if the that's question. the strategy, I want to know that. And he'll listen to this and let me know. There's a line drive down the left field line that's going to be foul. Wait, these corn suckers have assaulted the third base line and just missed so many times today. And when they haven't missed, Mr. Wyckoff generally has made them pay for that decision. I would agree with that. He's playing a fantastic third base over there today. And uh, Honey Badger on left has done a fabulous job. Overall, Columbus Capitals defense fabulous in this match. Agreed. Not, they're not making – you can only do so much. People are going to get hits. People are going to hit the ball well, hits and runs, but they're not making mistakes. As uh, a hit by pitch. <laughs> which doesn't exist. Marbles doesn't seem phased by it. Let's see. Let's see if the uh, the leg shows to be a problem later in this match. Uh, there's a swing to second base. Rudy Frias collects. Is going to throw over to first. That's going to record the out. It's going to bring in two runs for the Canton Corn Checkers. They are going to take the lead seven to five. But I'll tell you, they're still a team with confidence. There's no reason for the Capitals to still not have confidence. That did not kill their momentum, I don't think. No, it didn't build on it, I would say. When you put up five runs in an inning against a team that, let, let's face it, that you were underdogging against, and you put up five, the momentum's fully in your in your direction. Um, you go out there and you put up a one, two, three inning, you've just fully taken it. That's what, that's what they wanted to do. But at this point, now the pressure's back on them. Are they going to stay loose? That's the real question. Are they going to stay loose? No. Brad Grayley is going to lead off for the Columbus Capitals in this very close game that's going to go seven innings around the bottom of the six, seven to five. Canton Corn Shuckers. These are two teams that want to win. And sometimes in vintage baseball, that is frowned upon more, more as you get later in the years. 1864, uh, there's a. There's a fly ball to Copper. He's going to try to catch it with two hands. He's going to bobble it, and then he's going to reel it in. And that's going to be a first on any. What I'm saying, Adam, is in 1864, the competition goes up the higher the years get, I would say. So 64, you're looking at the lowest competitive level that exists in 19th century recreated vintage baseball. There's different levels within that year, but that's where you find – and then 1867, it definitely steps up a notch. And then when you get into overhand baseball, it steps up even another notch. 
because you're calling balls and strikes and you're really getting into the more competitive uh, years of baseball. Kobe Doughty, base hit to left field? No. Caught on a bounce on a, a line drive. 1864 got him. 1864 will get you. I don't I, – I, I think about that. Um, it, I do feel like this is just 100% feeling. This is not based on any kind of fact. You'd have to talk to the historians about this. I'm not a historian. I feel like everybody always wanted to win. They always wanted Always. Win. Always. And to deny the need or the, the interest in winning in, in a game like this, you know, you can, you can win and you can play it a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's – I think that's something that tends to get lost sometimes, even on the historians, is that – Well, if you say you're, you don't care about winning, you're lying. Correct. Everybody cares. It's a lie. A hundred percent. It's how you handle winning and losing that cha- that differentiates people from each other. But you want to win. Always. There's a fly ball in the center field. It's going to be taken on a bounce by Copper, and that's bad news for the Columbus Capitals. It's a, a great bounce back one two three inning for Canton. They're they're showing their medal right here. Yep. So we're going to go to the top of the seventh. Canton's going to try to throw some runs up on here to make it a little bit more of a challenge for Columbus in the bottom of the seventh. A two-run ball game, folks, going into the bottom of the seventh. This is the final inning. What more could you ask for? I don't know if there's more of those back there. Right here? Good. Get rid of them. And... uh Oh, as we were talking about earlier, Adam, uh, the Roller and the Barrel Show looking for a place to do all kinds of stuff in a in a weekend that would not involve clubs, but it would involve as many vintage b- baseball players as possible. So you're talking multiple, multiple, multiple skill, skills events. You're talking the Barrel Roller Classic, which is not for clubs, but individual players, but it would be 96 vintage baseball players in a tournament. I don't know if you've heard me talk about the the format of that tournament. I have not. I'd be interested to hear about the it. format of the barrel roller classic as Coco comes up to the leadoff for Canton is you show up, you get put on a team. It's an eight team tournament down the left field line. Coco's going to be, it's a line drive that does find fair territory. He's going to make the round. He's going to go to second. He's going to get there a step before the throw. And that's double for Coco. And Ken finally finds the right side of that third baseline. And uh, Muffin Man's coming up. Uh, so in the tournament, if you win, you stay with the players that you play with, which would be drawn out of a hat. If you lose, you go into the loser's bracket because it's double elimination. And your team changes every time you lose. Oh, wow. And what are we calling this? It's a, it's a barrel roller classic. Okay. And you're looking for a host for that? I'm looking for a, a venue. A venue. Uh, and a host team. I would love a venue where there is a host team that that is there. Uh, but so you're in the losers bracket. Every time you win, after you've lost, you're playing on a different team. Even if you win in the losers bracket, you're still switching teams all the way up to the finals. So the finals, Muffin Man pounds on the ground. It's going to be a fair foul, and there ain't nothing nobody can do about it. It's going to be a base hit for Muffin Man. Coco does have to stay at second as the ball trickled down to third base. Well executed on the unintentional fair foul by Muffin. <laughs> and unintentional fair fouls are always the best. That's going to come up to the top of the lineup for who? So you go in the loser's bracket. If you win a game in the loser's bracket, you still change teams with others that are in the loser's bracket. Okay. 
And so in the finals, it's between a team that hasn't lost. Fly ball into center field by who? Mr. Johnson is going to uh, wait for the bounce, and it's going to kick left. Bad. There's going to be a throw home. They're not going to get Coco. Uh, Muffin Man is going to try for third. They're not going to get Muffin Man at third. And who is going to end up as second? A lot of running around on that one. Great base running by Canton there, just taking advantage of what was given to them. Um, this is what they do the little things. I mean, that, that's they do the big things too, but you know, if you do the big things and the little things, all the small things, what's left? Blink 8182. Copper, right field. It's going to get down. Is it going to get in our bounce? It'll, time will tell because we can't see. Uh, no. Uh, Muffin Man scores. Who scores? Copper still running. He's still running. He's at third. He's still running. Rudy Frias throws it into the pitcher. And things have gotten away from Columbus here in the last inning. Canton just, they put, they put the foot down there. You know, that's, that, that's a really, that's a tough thing to do, you know, when the momentum swings against you is just to put the foot down, stop the bleeding, and they, they did a fantastic job of that right here. Jeff Green coming up to the play for Canton. So in the finals of the Barrel Roller Classic, it's a team that hasn't lost the entire tournament against a team of guys that have made it through multiple different teams. Pop up to Rudy Frias. He's going to wait for the bounce. He's going to collect. Uh, Copper made halfway, went halfway down to third to see what he was going to do with the ball. That's a great job of base running by Copper there to assess the situation and, and, and note early that, that Rudy was not going to try to play that on the fly. So the run scores, four runs in for Canton. First out recorded that's going to bring up Ryan Jones. Uh, bad things are happening here for Columbus as Canton is hitting the accelerator in the last inning. And meal ticket is up. Uh, I got to put a bow tie on this thing I've been talking about. Get this over. Uh, there's another pitch. Uh, so championship Bear Roller Classic is a team that hasn't lost the entire tournament against a team of people who have played with like three or four different teams getting to the finals. If that mismatched team of losers beats that team that is undefeated in the finals, they switch teams again for the championship match. So how many um, how many games are we talking throughout this whole thing? I don't I don't have it in front of me. I don't remember. Oh, a long fly ball down the right field line. He hit a tree and bounced right back towards the field. Or was that the right fielder that did that? I think it hit the tree. Yeah, that, that ball just got returned to sender. That, 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 was, that was 300, 330 plus off the bat of meal ticket right there, and the tree just said, nope, we're sending that one back into the field of play. Uh, so we got runner on first, Ryan Jones. That might have been the farthest ball he's hit on this field in this match, and it came right back to second base. Uh, Teddy's up. Oh, he chops. Chops it down. Not a bunt. He was a full swing. An uh, un, uh, unusual uh, fair foul attempt by Teddy there. It was a fair fair. It was not a fair foul. I don't know. Was he attempting a fair foul? It looked like he was attempting a fair fair. That's how <laughs> he was going for the fair fair. Just an unconventional. A maneuver. vintage bunt is what that was. That's why he's the king of hearts right there. Nobody's looking for the fair fair. Uh, Joe Twilliger up getting mocked by the fans for being so slow. He's got a championship belt to show for his slowness. Do you ever wonder what it would be like to be as fast as him? It'd be glorious. 
He did when he came off the field from the championship. He was dripping. I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself to perform in those, you know? Good. Uh, Joe Twilliger back to the catcher. It's going to be, oh, second life. It was not collected by the catcher. Brad Grayley got up for that one. He, he, he got up in the air for it. It was just two or three inches over his hand. Got to do some cap raises in the offseason. <laughs> How? Uh, let me ask you this, Adam. Uh, you participated in in my mightiest striker. Were you nervous? The only thing I was nervous about. Joe Twilliger, the second base, is going to get out of uh, out of the unreached hand of Frias in the center field. Bases are going. Oh, everyone's moving up a base. Ryan Jones. Oh, they got him at third. Ryan Jones is going to score on the play. Teddy is going to be out. He can he can ask for a ruling all he wants, but Teddy's out at third. <laughs> he sure looked out for my angle. <laughs> Ryan Jones is going to score. And, uh, of course, Ace Twilliger winds up at second base. He'll take all the bases available to him. If that play happened at home, he'd be at third. Feeney goes down and gets it over the outstretched hands of Doughty at short. Twilliger's going to score easily. Feeney's going to stop at first. And Mike Feeney hit that ball off of the blades of grass in front of home plate. That ball, that ball had no chance of being a strike. That is, that is stereotypical bad ball hitter. He is not sick, but he's not well. <laughs> That's a Harvey Danger reference for you right there. Uh, yeah. So Mike Feeney goes out and gets that. Uh, as that brings up Coco in the in the last inning, with only a two-run lead going in, the Canton Cornchuckers have batted around. To to answer your question, um, the only thing I was nervous about in the Mightiest Striker was just going off against Neil Carey in the first round. Um, mm. It's not really that I'm, I was concerned about Neil Carey as a hitter; it's just that I was concerned about Neil Carey as a person because he was uh, he was very aggressive towards me. You know, he was trying to bully me into hitting poorly so I, so coco down the left field line foul so i had to you know just come back on my last pitch and hit the longest ball of the mightiest striker tournament against neil Carey. <laughs> and at that point i was done you know i was just happy you beat you beat hammer in a tournament and so the tournament exists to really put people under pressure you mentioned earlier the 10 balls six strikes how well do you perform under pressure? Anybody can hit. There's a foul ball by Coco, caught by Brad Grayley. It's going to bring the inning to an end mercifully as Canton brings six across to be to up their total to 13 to Columbus's five. So this match is over, but Columbus is going to come up and get their last at-bats in the last inning. We call it like we see it here on our ROTB, but... Uh, it would take a monumental effort by the Capitals to come back and at least tie this game with eight runs in the last inning. So would you call it insurmountable? Yep. Okay, okay. Yep. But the Mightiest Striker is there to try to make push people to perform and not wait, not be, not be comfortable. Oh, Don't sure. want you to be comfortable. And I wasn't, not at all. I, I love pressure situations. I love hitting with men in scoring positions. That's That's what I'm about, and... You know, when, when, when you're up against Neil Carey and he's been, you know, talking smack on you for the last 10 minutes and you have one ball left and you just nuke one, just absolutely nuked, like, you know, 100% Mr. Steelio ERA on that one. And 
you know, to, to turn around and see just the blood drain out of his face. It was a, a fantastic moment. Uh, Neil, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> I got you so good. <laughs> uh, Joe Jumpson Johnson up to the plate, and there's a fly ball into left center field. Feeney's going to catch it with his hands. Now they're going to go back to catching it with their hands. They, the, the pressure is off. Back to comfortable. So that's the first sound of the inning. Uh, Adam, before this... Before these last two outs are are recorded, uh, I thank you for joining me. Uh, you're always up for the stupid stuff Rudy and I come up with. Uh, you you always are on board, and quite frankly, you're one of my favorite people in vintage baseball. And I always look forward to any event. I'm not even at doing this. Just any event I'm going to see you at. Uh, you're a very highly respected member of the community. And uh, I am grateful to be able to call you friend, and thank you for joining us. I appreciate the kind words, and I just want you to know that I feel the same. And this is actually really easy to do, you know, when you have somebody to play off of as as good at what they do as you are. So, Whoa. Hey, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do this. Uh, are you going to be with Canton at Rocky Point? Rocky Point? I don't believe so. Oh, no. I think we play that weekend. We the Addison Mountain Stars. But I believe you're a full-fledged member of the Canton Corn Checkers. So that is correct. I will see you in Rocky Point. There's a line drive into left field that's going to be a base hit by Jacob Florentine. I don't know how I feel about Marbles trying to throw the second-place gingerly gentleman out from left field. I just think that's just a, a play where the risk-reward does not match up. Well, Rudy Frias back to the top of the lineup. Score, 13-5. Six, eight, ten. That's what I have. Okay. They only have five on the scoreboard. It's six. So I'm unofficial, so don't take my word for it. Rudy Frias in the center field. Copper's going to catch it because he didn't have to move with his hands like a man. Like a man. Two ounce recorded, and we're down to the last out here. First match of the day at the Akron Cup. A great venue. Great weather, great teams. Uh, I had a great partner for this match. This match, although in the last inning I got carried away for the first six innings, this was a baseball game. And, uh, you know, Mike Wyckoff's going to get a base hit here anyway, and it's going to prolong it a little bit. But the way he's been playing today, geez. Just 100% I'm telling you, Mike Wyckoff's play today has been fueled by Kirsten Wyckoff. <laughs> I still disagree. Uh <laughs> Mike Wyckoff, foul ball down to the first baseline. And uh, we'll get ready for our second game of the day. I have no idea what it is. Maybe I'm better when I don't have information. Adam Johnson, by the way, brings a ton of information with him. Look, if you want to know about rules of vintage baseball, Adam Johnson can help you out in that field. If you want to know about protocols and sportsmanship in vintage baseball, he will also help you out with those. Those often are different. Uh, there's a misplay by the catcher, Jacob Florentine is going to take his second. Uh, if you need any help at all, Adam Johnson is your man. If you want to schedule a team of the finest gentlemen, foul ball over the tent, on the tent, uh, schedule the Addison Mountain Stars, get them to your event if you really want something to happen. They travel well. They hit their numbers. You don't have to worry about a phone call from Adam saying, we don't have enough. Get him. He's up. Oh, the ball's not live in 1864. That don't count. Michael White comes up. I appreciate that plug. You know, we work really hard to be one of the more well-traveled teams in vintage baseball, and I appreciate the call out on that. 
and I am more than happy to help anyone who's. There's a ball hit into right center field. It's going to be taken out of bounds by Copper. I would assume because I can't see it. No, it he, looks he dropped it. He booted it. He misplayed it off the bounce. Told you Michael was going to get a hit, and that's going to score a run for the Columbus Capitals. Two outs, runner on first. That's going to make it. What did I say here? 8 10, 13 to 6. That's a real rarity out there to see Copper drop a ball, especially on the bound. It happens uh, once a game, but the problem is with the once a game is there's 15 balls that got caught before that. <laughs> he has been busy out there today. That's a pretty good ratio, you know, 14 out of 15. Honey Badger, oh. swing and a miss. He must just be going for the trees. Muffin Man pulled the string on he's that just, He's just going for the trees, yeah. Muffin Man pulls the string on every pitch. Uh, that's a high pitch. Back to the bell. I have totally not paid attention to the bell in this this great idea of mine. All right, down on the right field line. It's going to be in the trees. It's going to come down. No play is going to get made. Oh, it is going to get made. That's Joe Twilliger tracking that one down out of the trees. Great play by Ace. Just having a fantastic day today. So that's going to bring the final score. 13 to 6 in favor of the Canton Corn Shuckers. They were tested for six innings. Uh, something they don't come across a lot of during the season, but they will uh, as the day goes on today and at the World's Tournament. So, uh, on behalf of Adam Johnson, Adam, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is Dirtbag Johnson, a.k.a. Two Firm Dingers on the Microphone, where it's at. What was that other nickname you did? Uh, Ziggy Big Arthur Wigelow. 